Well, guys, as you well know, we are in the middle of a series on getting to know our Heavenly Father. And as process of getting to know our Heavenly Father, we're also in the process of getting, getting to know what it means for us to be His children. And uh, I just want to start out by saying I'm so sorry for giving you homework last week that required you to be outside. I need to look at the 10-day forecast the next time I give homework that's outside. That is ridiculous. Did anybody here actually do it, though? I had one in first service and one in second service. The one in second said, I did it because my husband went up and plugged in in a heated blanket on the thing, and I was able to, I'm like, that's pretty good. Well, I will say, if it ever does warm up again, I'd encourage you to still do that homework. I think you will enjoy that time with your father outside. So uh, keep tabs of that homework. All right, last week we talked about adoption, uh, how God adopted us into his family, how He chose us to be His sons. He chose us to be His daughters. And uh, we've been given a new name. We've been given a new new family, a new home. We've been given new privileges, new responsibilities. And we are now heirs with Christ. I mean, think about that reality. We are co-heirs with Christ. Um, We're partakers in the inheritance of the children of God. Now, it was our Heavenly Father who made this happen, but we saw how the Holy Spirit played His important role as well in that. And hopefully you're, you're sitting back and you're seeing how the Trinity has played a part in all of this. Uh, how we, you know, we've talked about the Father's role, Jesus' role, the Holy Spirit's role. They've all played a part in this relationship that we have with God, and it's actually a beautiful thing. But this week I want to start talking about us, our role in this whole relationship. Um, we're still going to be talking about the Father, but today I wanted to at least begin to look at how it is that we are to be approaching our Heavenly Father. Because remember, the Father loved us so much that He sent His Son. And His Son, Jesus, went all the way to the cross to make it possible for that spiritual transaction to happen, for us to die with Him, to be buried with Him, and then again to be risen with Him um, to new life. That's that spiritual baptism. And now we are spiritually alive. We have the Spirit of God within us. And this Spirit is a seal placed upon us of our adoption, and the Spirit binds us or brings us into a relationship with the God of this universe to where we can call Him Dad. It's that kind of relationship we're being invited into. So all that is awesome, and all that is great, and all that is true, but the question we've got to ask ourselves is, how then do we approach our Heavenly Father? How, how do we do that? And that's what I want to talk about today. And to do so, I, I'm going to be talking from a passage found in the book of Mark. And so I want you to turn in your Bibles to Mark chapter 10. If you have your Bible, physically open there. Mark chapter 10. We're going to be starting in verse 13. It says this, People were bringing little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them, but the disciples rebuked them. And when Jesus saw this, he was indignant, and he said to them, Let the little children come to me, and don't hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly, I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. And he took the children in his arms, placed his hands on them, and blessed them. Now, this is a a beautiful story. It's an interesting story. Um, And first of all, Jesus is, you know, I don't know what he's doing, walking along with his disciples. And all of a sudden, a bunch of people are trying to crowd all around them, and they're bringing their children to Jesus to lay hands on them. Now, just so you understand, this this was a common custom or practice back then 
where parents would bring their children, their little children, to a famous or well-known rabbi so that the rabbi would, you know, place his, his hands or bless, bless their child. And the rabbi would take the child up in his hands. He would lay hands on them and bless the child and speak blessing over them. It's really actually kind of a cool thing. It's kind of similar to what we do in child dedication, but it's something that they did back then. Well, this is what's happening, Okay. But when all these parents started to approach Jesus and crowd around Jesus, the disciples kind of get into protecto mode, and they're like, no, 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 hey, 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 leave him alone, okay, stop bothering him, and they tried to prevent these parents from bringing their children to Jesus. Now, before you get all judgy on the disciples and think, well, they're just being jerks, and they're kind of being stingy with Jesus' time, you have to understand that, really, I mean, we can look at it, they're just trying to protect Jesus. You have to understand that Jesus... At this point in his ministry, he is on his way to Jerusalem. He's on his way to be what? Crucified. Okay? And while the disciples may not have understood everything that's going on, I'm sure that they could tell that there was a lot going on in Jesus' mind. He was about to face the most difficult part of his mission. And I'm sure there was a resoluteness or a, a, a seriousness about Jesus that they weren't used to seeing. And so I'm sure out of concern for Jesus, they were trying to protect him from all these loads of people that were always crowding around him and wanting to always be taking from him, especially all these little children. Why waste time on children? There was a Jewish uh, custom during that, that time that a child was insignificant up until the age of 12. Okay, Before 12, a child should just be kind of seen and not hurt. So the disciples didn't want Jesus to have to waste his time with insignificant children. And so they're like, you know, for the love of Pete, keep the children away from Jesus, okay? But Jesus throws a wrench into that kind of thinking, and he, and he pipes up, and he says, hey, guys, stop. What are you doing? Let the children come. Don't, don't stop them. Don't, don't keep the children from being able to come to me. And I'm sure the disciples were like, what? Why, Jesus? You don't have time for this. You have bigger and better things to be dealing with than a bunch of children. And Jesus is like, no, 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 no. Let the children come. And here's why. The kingdom of God belongs to children like this. And then he says something incredibly powerful. He says this. Truly, I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. Now, this statement right here, when we read this, it should cause us to stop and think and make sure that we understand it. Because while it may seem simple, it's a very sobering truth. And let's look at it. First of all, it says, anyone. Now tell me, third service, who does that leave out? No one. Okay? So anyone who does not receive the kingdom of God... Now, we need to understand what that even means. What does it mean to receive the kingdom of God? And the question we'll ask is, well, what is the kingdom of God? Okay, well, let's look back at our definitions that we've been talking about over the years, our little churchy words that we like to throw around. And our simple definition for the kingdom of God is going to be this. It's the activity of God. Now, there's many definitions we could give the kingdom of God, but it's simply put, the activity of God. It's, it's where what God wants done is done. Or the rule and reign of God. 
You see, in the Lord's Prayer, when we, when we pray, may your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, what we're asking is that God's activity would come to earth and that his will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. Because what God wants done is done in heaven, and we're asking that God for that same outcome to happen on earth. We want his activity on earth around us. That's his kingdom. Now remember, our God is unseen. And so our God works in the unseen realm. Therefore, his kingdom is unseen. So think about this third service. For us to receive the kingdom of God requires what? It requires faith. Now, what's our definition of faith? Here it is. Faith is believing in the unseen reality of God and his kingdom, his activity. Just because God is unseen and his kingdom is unseen does not mean that he is not real. No, he's as real as the air we breathe. And so is his activity. And true faith acts out of that true reality. Okay? Does everybody follow me so far? Okay. You're kind of like, I don't know. I don't think so. Back to the story. Jesus is saying, listen, let the little children come to me. Because I tell you the truth, unless you become like a little child and be able to accept that the activity of God is working all around you, you'll never be able to step into that activity. You'll never be able to enter it. Unless you have the heart of a child, you will never be able to step and enter into that activity. So what did Jesus mean by that? What does it mean to become like a little child? Let's talk about that for a second. And first of all, I mean, I think we can all agree, Jesus is not saying, hey, we just need to act like a bunch of children, become immature and goofy and silly. That's not what he's talking about. What he's saying here is that we need to take on the heart of a child. The innocent mindset of a child that hasn't been ruined by the things of this world yet. It's that what Jesus is referring to, okay? And it's true. There are so many things about a child that when you take time to think about it, they're really actually pretty precious. Have you ever noticed how unfiltered children are? I mean, they have no filters. They are as raw as they come. And they don't hide their feelings. In fact, children can't hide their feelings. They have not learned how to do that yet. They, what they feel is what you see. Like, for instance, I want you to look at this picture. Okay? Tell me, what is, this, what is this guy thinking? You're awfully quiet, third service. Now, why don't you know what this man is thinking? I mean, you don't know. You can guess, but you have no idea. He may have just lost his dog. He may be going through a divorce. He may have just won the lottery. He may feel sad, mad, or happy. You don't know. And why? Because as adults, we're able to hide our feelings. We've mastered it. Some of us are better than others, but for the most part, we can put on a good show. But now, let's look at this picture. Tell me what this girl is thinking. She is what? She's sad. Now, how were you able to tell that? Because you could read it all over her body. And why? Because children are unfiltered. They don't hide or put up a false pretense. You get what you see. And if they're having a bad day, they're going to show it to anyone who wants to see it. Okay? Even in the middle of a coal shopping center. 
Yesterday I was checking out, I was, I was getting some uh, shirts, t-shirts, and across the, the row there was a little girl that was kept running around grabbing all the mannequins and pulling on the shirts, and finally the mother's like, puts her into, this, into the little cart. As soon as she gets put in the cart, she's like, ah! she's screaming loud, and we're all kind of like, oh, like this, and the mom's like, shh, shh, you all embarrassed, and the kid, kid doesn't care how many people are around, she's just ticked, and she's showing it. Guys, what if we adults were like that? What if we walked up to the cash register and like, hi, I'm getting these shirts. They're on sale. I saw them on the paper and they could ring it through. Actually, sir, I'm really sorry. These shirts aren't on sale. Ah, this is ridiculous. We get all mad and stomp fists. No, we, adult, we adults don't do that. We sit there and we go, oh, okay, that's fine. Yeah, no, that's okay. I'll just buy them anyways, whatever. And then we get to the car and like, these little stinking little Kohl's. I'll never shop at Kohl's again. This is ridiculous. We hide it in front of other people because we don't want them to think bad of us. Not children. They don't fake it. They don't masquerade. They're real. And they're raw. Anyone around little kids, you know that. And personally, I think there's a lot of, that we adults could learn from kids in regards to that because we can become master fakers. But there's a lot of things about little children that I think are great. I love, I love their wide-eyed curiosity. You ever notice that about kids? I mean, they... They're so curious about something that what will they do? They'll stare. And they don't think anything about it. You'll, you'll be like at a, like I remember I was at, as a teenager, I was at a dentist's office. And there was this little kid, little kid sitting next to me. And he's like this. And I'm sitting there kind of like. And after a while he goes. What are all those red things on your face? And I'm like, it's called acne, buddy. And he just looked that way. And I was all embarrassed, whatever. But the kid's just, he just wants to know. He's just like curious. He's staring at my face. That's how kids are. You know, those kids will ask a thousand questions. I remember when I'd be working on a project, working on my deck or whatever, Max, little Max would be out there with me. And he'd be like, hey, Dad, what is that thing? Well, that's a saw. What are you doing? I'm cutting the wood. Why? Because the wood needs to get cut. What are you doing now? Well, I'm going to screw it down on the wood. Well, what is that? That's a screw gun. What is that little thing? That's a screw. Why do you put that on the screw? Because it's got to screw it in. Well, why do you have to do that? Because it's got to hold the wood down. And after about 30 questions, that's okay. After 100, you're like, for the love of me, can you just be quiet and let's just work? <laughs> Kids are trying to soak up information. They're asking a thousand questions. Another thing I love about little kids is that they don't, they don't separate themselves. They don't make divisions. They don't put divisions amongst themselves. Little children don't care if your skin is white, black, or brown. They don't care. They don't care what you're wearing. They don't care what you look like. They just accept everyone. And, and they don't even have to know each other. They just are one big happy family. I mean, it's just it's funny to watch. Last week after third service, I was sitting talking to a young lady and a bunch of kids were running around the sanctuary playing, crawling underneath the seat, you know, doing commando and jumping on the seats, crawling around. I know a lot of people get irritated by that because it's in the church or everything. It's like, hey, they're just being kids. I don't mind it. But there were a couple of kids over here on this side, and they were watching, and they were kind of like, you know, huh? that's awesome. And they look, and finally they noticed their parents weren't looking. So they run over there, and they're, and they're crawling with them. They're like one big happy family. They're happy. Adults don't do that. Adults walk in the church and they're like, for the first time, they're like, oh, look at those three guys over there talking like they're little buddies. Oh, a bunch of little cliques in this white stone. Those are groups. Oh, five people at the table having a good time. They haven't even talked to me. Nobody's asking me about anything. 
I'm never going to this church again. And we walk out. <laughs> what if it was just the opposite? What if we were like kids? We'd walk in like, hey, look, there's five people talking over there. I'm going to join it. How are you doing? Are you a Packer fan? I'm a Bear fan. All right, let's give a hug. Bring it in. It's just awesome. Let's have a good time together. That would be great. But that doesn't happen. Kids grow out of that. And I could go on and on about awesome things about kids, but there's some very key aspects to kids that I think Jesus is referring to in this passage that we're talking about today. And one of the aspects is that children are completely believing. They believe what you are telling them without reserve. Children just believe. Children have incredible hearts of faith. And honestly, I think kind of sadly, we often take advantage of them for that. The fact that children are are this way is actually a beautiful thing. And yet often as adults, we call it being gullible. And so we play on that gullibility. Thus, we have the traditions of Santa Claus and Christmas, and we call it the magic of Christmas or the tooth fairy. And for some reason, we think it's cute to trick our children. Kind of think of it. It's kind of sick. You know, I remember when, when I, I, don't know, I was like four or five years old. My, I don't know, I can't remember when your teeth fall out, but I had a tooth fall out. And I was like, hey, Mom, look at this. I lost my tooth. And she says, oh, you need to put that under your pillow for the tooth fairy. And I'm like, what? She says, yeah, Tooth Perry will, will take your tooth and put a dollar on it. And I'm like, are you serious? And she's like, yeah. I'm like, what's a fairy? She's like, it's, it's a little thing that flies around and brings it on. I'm like, how come this is the first time I'm hearing about this? This is the most amazing thing in the world. This is so cool. So I was so excited. I took the tooth and I put it underneath my pillow and I could hardly fall asleep that night. I was so excited. The next day I woke up, I ripped open the pillow and guess what I found? A tooth. So I'm like, the tooth fairy totally blew me off. I ran into my mom and dad's bedroom and my, I'm like, see, I told you. Where's the fairy? And my mom started laughing. She's like, oh, my word, look, I'm so sorry. The tooth fairy went to bed early last night. (laughs) And then she told me the truth. Guys, I was devastated. Because never once did I think to question or doubt my parents. Never once did I think that. I trusted 100%. That's what kids do. You ever notice when your kids are really small, they believe everything you tell them. Remember telling my kids that they, you know, about how when Jesus is going to come back, it says that the, you know, the the trumpet is going to blow. The the trumpet of the archangel is just going to blow out, and we're going to hear this trumpet, and the dead in Christ is going to come down in clouds. We're gonna we're gonna raise and meet them in the clouds. It's just going to be awesome. And the kids, he's like, it's so cool. They they just believed it. And I remember. Caleb came, or during a teacher's conference, a teacher was telling me one time, Caleb was at some little reading session with his teacher, and the teacher says, hey, Caleb, tell me, what is one thing that you're just looking forward to like crazy? And he's like, I just can't wait for the trump to blow. And the teacher's like, what? The trump is going to blow, and we're going to go to the clouds. She's like... Okay, I don't know what you're saying. So the teacher's like, ask me, what does that mean? I'm like, well, let me, you know, I try to explain it. But as a little kid, he just thought that was the greatest thing in the world. He he believed it. It's kind of funny how little children believe everything you say. You're apparently right about everything. But as they get older and they turn into teenagers, 
Suddenly that just kind of flops the other way. You're not right about anything. And they question everything. I remember we, were, we went on vacation one time, and during vacation, Shauna's like, you know what, Luke, we should have family devotions with our kids. This would be an awesome thing. I'm like, yeah, I guess I'm a, I'm a pastor. I better do that. And so I um, sat down. We started reading the Bible. And pretty soon one of my kids is like, Dad, how do you even know God is even real? I'm like, what? How are you even asking me this question? You're the daughter of a pastor. You shouldn't be asking that question. And then next thing you know, we got this big argument because the kids were questioning suddenly. And I'm like, where's my little baby? That's how it is. Now, I've been told that when they get in their mid-20s, suddenly that goes back and they start to believe most of what you say. I don't know. That's, uh, somebody disagreed with me during second service, but I hope that's the case. <laughs> but you know, I think that's why God reveals things to children more than adults. Children are able to believe God far better than we can because they don't question the unseen realm. If they're told that the unseen realm is real, then the unseen realm is real, and they live accordingly. In other words, by faith. They don't have that filter of doubt. I can remember my, my kids and Shauna were at the Dells years ago, and Caleb was just a little boy. And it was that night, and they all fell asleep, but Caleb couldn't fall asleep. And uh, we had always told our kids that, you know, you don't need to fear the darkness. You don't need to be scared because, you know, God's presence is with us, and God has his angels here to protect us. And so that night, you know, everybody had fallen asleep, and Caleb was laying in bed, and he was looking out the window, and there's all these dark shadows, and he was starting to get scared. And so all he did is he simply prayed, and he said, God, can you send one of your angels to protect me? And... Instantly, he saw an angel at the foot of the bed. Now, we didn't know about this until the next day or a couple days later. He was like, hey, Dad, what does an angel look like? I says, well, I'm, I've actually never seen one, so I don't really know, but I can tell you they're not little half-naked babies with sheets wrapped around them with little wings. They're like mighty warriors that are this full of light, and they're beautiful creatures, I'm sure. And he goes, I saw an angel. I'm like, what are you talking about? And he told me the story. He says, at the foot of the bed, it was standing there, and when I saw it, I was just like, Oh, my word, it's just this beautiful glowing light. And I, when I looked at it, I just knew I was safe, and I fell asleep. So at that point, um, I remember telling Caleb, I said, Caleb, listen, I want you to hang on to this memory because God did that for you, and you saw an angel. Now, the reason I'm telling you to hang on to that is because as you get older, you're going you're gonna to find that the enemy is going to try to rob that from you. He's going to try to take that away. He's going to make you question and doubt and become wary about the, did I just see things? Was that just my mind? What's going on? And I want you to stand against that because you saw it and it was real. As a little kid, he didn't get that. But just last Sunday, I was eating lunch with my son, and he says, he, that story came up, and, and he says, Dad, do you remember ever telling me that I need to hang on to that memory and never let the enemy rob it? And I says, yeah, actually, I do. I was pretty wise in saying that, son. It was amazing. <laughs> He goes, Dad, thank you so much for telling me that because it's true. Since I've gotten older, I've found that my mind wants to question it, wants to challenge it, wants to, did I really see that or not? And because your words are always there, I've clung to that and I've hung on to that. That's true. The older we get, the more we want to just doubt it. We pull up the filter of doubt. If a child is told that God will speak to their hearts, they will listen and have no problem. I remember Alex was, 
little girl at the time, and you know how they play with those little dolls, I don't know, Polly Pockets or something like that, and the parts are this big, and you pull the thing, and a little, there's a little sock, and then there's a shoe, and then there's a little toenail, and all these little things, and the, the carpet is covered in all these little tiny toys, and the room was, the playroom was just filled, and it was dirty, it was all these toys, and I'm like, Alex, you've got to clean this up, okay? You have to clean this up. She's like, ah, I don't want to clean it up, you know, and it was unfiltered, and I'm just like, well, I'm sorry, you have to, and she's like, I can't, it's too hard, and I'm like, well, I'm going to be gone, I've got to run some errands for a couple hours, I want you to at least try. I came home, and that playroom was spick and span clean, and I was like, the heck, did we have Mary Maid show up here? What, what's going on here? And, and I'm like, hey, Alex? She's like, yeah. I'm like, how did the playroom get clean? She's like, I cleaned it. And I'm like, come down here. I'm like, how, what happened? She says, well, I didn't want to do it. And so I just, I just prayed. And I said, Jesus, can you help me? And I heard Jesus say, Alex, I love you. And I know you can do it. So I did it. And it was fine. I'm like, that's awesome. God, can you tell my boys to clean their room too? Because that's, that's amazing. Now, for Alex, it wasn't a big deal. She just knew she could ask, and he spoke to her. And I think that's awesome. The unseen realm is as real to them as the seen realm. It doesn't phase them that they can't see it. And that's why Jesus tells us that we can't enter into the kingdom of God unless we come as a child. We have to believe like a child. We need to have childlike faith. I, I remember my son, Caleb, he was in youth football. And I don't know if you have kids that are in these youth sports. Whenever it comes time for the game, you can't find the stinking jersey. The jersey's always missing. It's like, so you're going through the dirty clothes, and you're looking through the clean clothes, and you're looking through the drawers, and we could not find his stinking football jersey. We're looking everywhere. And it was coming time for the game, and so I'm like, Caleb, I'm sorry, buddy, they may not let you play because you don't have a jersey, but uh, we got to go because we're going to be late. And we were starting to go down the stairs, and he's like, hey, Dad, let's just, let's pray, and let's ask Jesus to help us find it. So I'm like, well, I mean, we could do that. I guess I wish I had thought of that first. But uh, so I quickly prayed this prayer and said, Jesus, can you just help us find this jersey? And in my mind, I'm thinking there's no way this is, you know, whatever. So I run off into my bedroom. I'm looking all over, looking at the dirty clothes, the places I've been looking a thousand times before. And uh, Caleb goes, I got it. I'm like, what? Where? He goes, it's, it was in the closet underneath the uh, laundry basket. It was underneath of it. I'm like, how in the world did you find that? Jesus told me. I'm like, really? He says, yeah, go look in the closet underneath the laundry basket. I'm like, that's awesome. Now Caleb was just like, all right, Dad, let's go. Let's go. Because it was like, for him, it wasn't a big deal. Of course Jesus would answer that. For me, that was a big deal. Childlike faith. You know, guys, when we have that kind of faith, it pleases our Father. Look in Hebrews 11. It says, without faith, it is what? It's impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to Him must believe that He what? He exists. Yes, He's unseen, so if you can't see him, we need to have faith and believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Guys, we can't please our Father without childlike faith. Do you see that? Anyone who comes to him must come to him as a child. And why like a child? Look at that verse. Because you must believe that he exists. Yes, he is unseen, but he's there and he's at work. 
And if you seek him as a child would, he'll reward you. Faith pleases our Father. So we need to come to him as a child with a heart of faith. And that's going to please him. Another precious aspect about children that always stands out to me is their ability to not be touched by the concerns of this world. They don't worry about climate change. They don't worry about how messed up our government is. They don't worry about the next paycheck or if they're you know, going to have a meal. I mean, the cares of this world don't phase them. And I love that about children. You don't see children worried. They, they just don't. You don't put them to bed at night and have to deal with the worry about not being able to pay the electric bill. They don't worry. Unless something traumatic has happened to a little child where the enemy has done some damage to them, for the most part, little children just don't worry. But you know what's crazy about little children? They have a ton of needs. A ton of needs that if those needs aren't met, they will literally die. And yet they're not worried about any of them. Now, you want to know why they're not worried about that? Because they completely trust their parents. They have a father or a mother or both, and as far as they're concerned, that's all they need. Their father and mother are going to take care of them. And so they trust them implicitly. That's the heart of a child. You know, that's why in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is talking to adults. And he says this, he goes, listen, don't worry about food and whether you're going to eat or not. I mean, look at the birds. They, they don't plant seeds and harvest and store up in barns. And yet your heavenly father feeds them. So I can guarantee if he feeds the birds, he's going to feed you. And don't worry about the clothing. You know, what am I going to wear? Don't worry about that. Listen to me. The flowers in the field, they are more beautifully adorned than Solomon in all of his splendor. And if that's how the father treats grass or weeds, then trust me, he's going to make sure that you're clothed. So, he says this, do not worry, saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? The pagans run after those things, but you need to know that your heavenly father, he already knows you need them. In other words, take on the attitude of a child and trust your father. Trust his activity. He knows your needs. Your father knows your needs. So don't waste your time running after these things. Instead, as an adopted child who has a new family, a new name, a new identity, do this. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And you know what? All these things will be given to you as well. In other words, be about the Father's activity. Seek first His kingdom. Be about His business. Focus on living as a child in this new family. Live like your Father. Look like your Father. Act like your Father. Speak like your Father. Be busy doing things that the way that your Father says are the right way to do them. Seek first His kingdom and His righteousness. And let your Father take care of all your physical needs because He will. You don't have to worry about them. Become like a child. And don't worry. Trust your father. Amen? Another beautiful aspect about a little child is their humility. Little children aren't pompous. They don't try to puff themselves up. They, they realize their inadequacies and they just embrace them. And that's why little children have no problem asking mom and dad for help. Pride doesn't get in the way of their ability to ask. Now, as they get older and older, that fades away, but as little children, it's true of them. 
Mom and dad are smarter and bigger and stronger and wiser. All the above. And in their humility, they simply place themselves below their parents and allow their parents to work on their behalf. Humility does that. Look at what it says in 1 Peter. It says, And be clothed with humility, for God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Now look at that for, the, for a second. When someone is proud, what does God do? He resists them. He stiff arms them. It's like, you, you want to do it your own? You want to do it your way? You want to resist? You want to come against me? Then fine. You can go ahead. See how, see how well it goes. But when someone is humble, what happens? What does that verse say? He gives grace to them. Do we remember what grace is? Grace is God's power working in us to accomplish what we could never do on our own. And when we're humble, God pours that out on us. You see, like a child, humility says, I can't do this. I need God. I need Him to work. I realize I'm helpless in all this. And and when we're like that, as a good heavenly Father, He pours out His activity on us. He pours out His grace on us, just like a parent would do to their little child. And in His outpouring of grace we see his activity happening more and more in our lives. We see his kingdom at work. See how that works? Become like a child in humility. Lastly, I just want to point out how a little child loves. This has always stood out to me, being a parent, about children. It just blows my mind. Little children are the most forgiving loving little humans you will ever encounter. I don't know if you've ever thought about this before, but if you ever treated anybody else the way that you treat your children, they'd probably never talk to you again. They'd cut you out of your life. Because if you think about it, how we treat our children, it's just, it's crazy. We will raise our voices with our children. We'll yell at them. We'll snap at them. We'll disregard them. We'll ignore them. We'll, we'll tell them to just leave me alone. I'm tired right now. Just please, get out of the room. We literally will be flat out rude to our children. And yet, guess what? They still love us. When you come to them and say, I'm so sorry, sweetheart, for yelling at you, they instantly say, it's okay, Daddy. And they come and give you a big hug, climb into your lap. Guys, we parents are, are so imperfect, and yet our children don't hold a grudge. Little children just don't. They, they don't keep any record of wrong. Who does that? Little children do. Because they implicitly love you and they implicitly trust you. Now think about this. If we approached our Heavenly Father like little children, imagine that kind of relationship. If, like children, we fully believe in our unseen Father, fully believe that He is at work around us and in us and through us and with us, and if we trust Him implicitly, knowing He's going to take care of our every need, we don't need to run after those things like the pagans do. All we need to be about doing is being children who are about our Father's business, learning how to do things the way our Father says is the right way to do them. 
And if we, like children, in humility, allow God to work knowing that we can't do it, but that He can and that He will, His grace is going to be poured out on us, doing things in us and through us that we could never do on our own. And if we love our perfect Father the same way little children love their imperfect parents, I promise you this relationship with our Father is going to blossom into something that we've never dreamed of before. If we approach our Father with childlike faith and childlike trust and childlike humility and childlike love, the Father is going to open wide the road to His heart and we will enjoy a fellowship with Him that really we were always intended to enjoy. And that, my friends, is eternal life. It's knowing the Father and the Son. So third service, listen to me and listen very carefully. Don't let your being an an adult in this evil world rob you of your ability to approach your Heavenly Father. Approach Him as a little child. That's how we must approach Him. Guys, if you want to experience the activity of God in your life, the kingdom of God in your life, then let me tell you something. This is how. And let me just say, this isn't a suggestion. This isn't just a good idea. No, this is just the way it is. This is how. Jesus said, truly, I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will what? Never enter it. Come to him as a little child. You know, it's funny to me, but the disciples were running around trying to keep the children away from Jesus. Jesus is like, no, let them come. Let the children come. You see, I think children were refreshing to Jesus. I think he loved being around children because he could see the innocence. He could see the beauty of their their faith and their implicit trust. He could see their precious humility, their enduring love, and he could see the Father's heart being poured out on these little ones like this. And you know, I think that Jesus probably grew weary with the hardened hearts of adults. And so he was like, you know what, disciples, keep the adults away. Let the children come. Sick of them. And I think, you know what, we as adults, we need to be like Jesus. We need to let the little children come to us and learn from them. And I'm trying to be like that. I love it when little kids come up to me after the service and they want to hug. There's a little, little kid that's usually here, Haley. She's after third service. She will always come up here, and she will sit on this top step with me, and she'll cross her arms, and she'll be like, I just want to tell you about my week. <laughs> and she has an incredible vocabulary, but she will talk and talk and talk, and she's just the sweetest little thing. And she will sometimes color little pictures for me, and she'll give me a big hug, and she'll tell me I, that she loves me. And you know what? She doesn't really know me. She, I'm just Pastor Luke. But you know what? She fully trusts me. She fully loves me. She fully just embraces me. And you know, I think as I look at that, I mean, I love that when she's like that. But I think our Heavenly Father loves that when we approach Him like that. I know He loves that. He loves it so much He sent His Son Jesus to make that possible. Amen? So let's come to Him with that same kind of heart. Because I know our Father loves it. And He's going to reward that. So here's our homework. I want you to spend an extended period of time with a small child. Some of you mothers are like, oh, my land of living. (laughs) So I just want to say there's a bunch of mothers that would be willing to give you some 
some little children to do your homework this week. But instead of being irritated or bothered by them as if they're a nuisance, I want you to try it instead to come at it with a different perspective and try to learn from them. Watch how they interact with you. Pay attention to how, you know, to their trust, to their faith, to their humility, to their love. Take notes of how pure of heart they are, okay? Then I want you to go spend some extended period of time with your father, and you're going to kind of swap roles. You're going to take the form of a little child. And I want you to put into practice what you've been learning from the little one you've been spending time with and come to him with that heart of a child and just express to him the same way that little kid did with you and just see how it affects your relationship with him. And I want you to journal it. I want you to keep track of this. And just do this more and more. I think it's going to be a powerful time. All right, and you get to do it inside. It does not have to be outside this time. <laughs> Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for this relationship that you've made possible for us. And God, I'm speaking for myself here. As an adult, it is so easy to have our filters up, our walls up, our doubts up, our wariness. We do not want to be gullible. We do not want to be stupid. We do not want to make look silly in this world. And so we doubt everything. But God, that has prevented us from approaching you with the heart of a child. And so, God, I pray that you'd remove all of that junk, all of that, that veneer that's been keeping us from you, and that you would do a work in our hearts so that we could approach you as little children and enjoy that reality. Because we want to experience eternal life. And I pray this in the mighty name of Jesus, the one who made that possible. Amen. Guys. Man, I love you so much. Have an amazing week, and we'll see you next Sunday.